0: You know, so outsourcing can come later or building a team and delegating you know, and Pat was uh, mentioning that a bit in his story as well. And that's really critical at a certain like scale point later to enable more growth, right and to continually think about you know, how you work on the business and expand that value. But from like day one, especially if it's just you or if you do have a co-founder, uh, I try to promote like be as hands-on so that like you actually feel it and you know what's required to make this thing good. Because then, like when you know what good looks and feels like in the product or the service that you're building, then you can teach the next person that you want to hand that off to what that looks like.
1: Life is an endless stream of challenges, but no worries. Manoj is bringing the world's best minds right here for you. My gosh,
0: Manoj, you just blew my mind. Thank you, universe. News. Thank you. I'm so grateful. It makes me feel a little bit better.
1: Thank you. Bootstrapping your dreams is here to give you what you need to succeed. Hello and welcome to this new episode of Bootstrapping Your Dreams here. I'm your host, Manu Agarwal, and today very excited to have Pat Flynn and his partner Matt Garland on the show. So Pat, uh, those of you who don't know Pat, he's the founder of Smart Passive Income, as well as a best-selling author, senior entrepreneur, industry influencer, and a startup advisor. Pat has founded several ventures like SPI Media, the Smart Passive Income podcast, SwitchPod, the Fusebox FM, to name a few. Pat started a smart the Smart Passive Income blog with the intention to help online entrepreneurs get started and stay on the right path. And he uses his experience to help others answer the questions he once faced and shares the tools and techniques that have worked for him. So Pat saw the power of passive income when he taught a, a test prep course for architects in training. And his course brought him over $200,000 in revenue over the next year. Instead of developing more courses, though, Pat started training others on how to do the same, but also started the Smart Passive Income podcast in 2010 as a tool for learning business strategies and tactics. And it is now one of the top business podcasts, which was featured in The New York Times and has more than 60 million downloads. Pat and Matt are partners behind Smart, Pass- uh, Smart Passive Income. Uh, uh, Smart Passive Income is a media company elevating entrepreneurs to within the reach of their dreams. Matt is a co-founder and CEO of a Smart, pa- uh, Smart Passive Income, Fusebox, and is- advises several tech startups. Matt is an expert when it comes to operations, finance, pricing, product development, customer experience, as well as empowering marketing and sales. They believe in empowering other leaders, teams, organizations to achieve their potential through sustainable growth. Welcome, Matt and Pat.
0: Thank you. Awesome
1: to be here. Awesome, great. Yeah, of course. Uh, Well, uh, you know, to be honest, I came across you uh, about four years ago when I was starting my entrepreneurial journey and sort of trying to figure out uh, this uh, this game. And uh, I learned about your journey, Pat, you know, how, uh, you started and uh, what was the circumstances in which you launched your course. Now, I would love for you to share that story and you know how you got started so that we can get to know your journey a little bit before we dive in.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this takes us back to 2008. I was actually on track to become an architect and I was taking several different exams. But of course, 2008 also comes with what we now know as the Great Recession and I was let go from my architecture job, even though I'd done everything I was supposed to and was even doing more beyond my a uh, job description I still got let go and that was very difficult I didn't know what my other options were because that's what I had dedicated my life to and I still got let go and fortunately I just I actually discovered a podcast at the time where I heard an interview where a person was teaching people how to pass the project management exam online and they said they were making six figures a year doing so and the way they were they were describing it you know they talked about having a website and having resources and helping people and I was like wow I remember when I took this very difficult exam called the lead exam leading up to my architecture stuff, uh, it was very difficult, but there was nobody teaching it. And so I said, well, maybe I can be the person to step up to teach that. And that's exactly what I did. So I created a website called greenexamacademy.com. And that website uh, started to make a name for itself in the architecture and design space so much so that like you said, it had made over $200,000 in a year. Um, and I had done that through both advertising on the website, but mainly through selling a study guide that I had created. And uh, right after that happened, a lot of people were asking me, How did you do that? Like, you didn't go to business school. And I said, No, I didn't. And I said, I made a ton of mistakes. I have, I honestly am just trying to figure it out as I go. Maybe I should create a blog to just share this journey with everybody. So, this is where smart passive income came into play uh, in very late 2008. And it was just me blogging about my adventures in entrepreneurship, all the things that I had done and that I was completing that was working and all the stuff that I was doing that wasn't working. I just always wanted to be honest and upfront. And I think also a part of what put me on the map back then was I was sharing every single dollar and cent that I was making and where it was coming from, what, what I was spending, what I was making. And that really attracted a lot of people to me because a lot of people who were teaching entrepreneurship at the time uh, were very much hiding everything and very much just talking about the good parts of it. And and we're almost seen as snake oil salesmen at at the time. I wasn't even selling anything at the time. Uh, It wasn't until after Matt and I partnered and after a lot of requests from our audience that we started to build our own products at Smart Passive Income, like courses on how to do podcasting, affiliate marketing, email marketing, webinars, all that kind of stuff. And so that's really where it started. Matt came into play after the business really started to grow. And I, as an entrepreneur, was starting to feel stretched thin because this is very common. When you start to grow, you start to say yes to a lot more opportunities that weren't there before, and you start to put your energy into way too many things. And so I either had to cut back on things and scale back the growth, or hire and and find the right people to help me. And I started working with Matt first, when he had an, an agency that I um, hired, and then I uh, brought him in and, and the team on to, to help SPI um, solely. And that was huge, because that helped us with an even bigger trajectory into helping and scaling more people and better quality material. And, you know, the team is in in and of itself uh, a wealth of knowledge. And now it's not just me, it's the team and Matt and everybody else who can contribute as well. So this media company that's now here has helped serve millions of people and and, and thousands of people have become students of our courses. And we've become known for some top quality material in this space. And uh, it's great because now that, you know, the pandemic happened, a lot of people are also now exploring their own journeys and how to take maybe a job loss or a pay cut and turn their knowledge and in something into to, to a business venture. And, we're just grateful that we have a lot of resources to be able to help people with
1: that. Absolutely. Absolutely. What an inspiring story. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, uh, as you said, a lot of people don't get started thinking that this is not even possible for them. Thinking that um, a lot of people who are talking about this are snake oil salespeople. Uh, but when you really look into it, like, you know, uh, the economy is changing. Everybody's expectation is changing. And people who have gone the down this path before... That information is so valuable, Uh, you know, a lot of people want it. And, uh, you know, uh, thanks to you and and other uh, pioneers uh, like you who tapped into that and you sort of, you know, showed the way to others. So question to you, Matt, like I see that you work with a lot of startups and uh, uh, one of, you know, my background is technology startups and myself. One of the things that I find a lot of founders these days, they do, they you know, they they come up with their own sort of obstacles in front of them before they do even the first step, which is, oh, I want to, uh, you know, change the world. But I first need an investor or I need a co-founder or, you know, I need all those things in place before I can even, like, you know, take the first step. So what is your take on things, you know, having been uh, involved in this space um, and uh, working as a co-founder? Like, what are some of the essential steps that you cannot skip? And what are some of the things that you can sort of say? Okay, you know, may not be the right uh, like may not be. I may not have all the resources. I may not have investors. I may not have a co-founder, but I can still do a little bit of uh, the journey on my own. Uh, according to you, what are those things? Uh,
0: a few things. It's a great question, and it maps uh, very cleanly against our experience together, Pat and me. Um, so, for one thing, you know, we definitely promote bootstrapping as a method of of entrepreneurialism that. Keeps things really in you know the founder's own control as much as possible, and not delaying the actual work of building the product, the service, or whatever it is that you that you aspire to do that generates value for the customers that you are here to serve. Versus spending a lot of time trying to like develop your pitch deck and go you know spend a lot of time with VCs or angels or whatever and try to try to do fundraising at least in our space, right? Which is predominantly the creator economy, you know, at large uh, and some ancillary markets but we advocate as much velocity into those markets as possible. And we do feel that, you know, bootstrapping and and other methods of some like maybe micro fundraising is a better path for the sort of person that, that we champion and that we have the privilege of serving in our communities. So I guess that's kind of maybe point number one is like that velocity equation on like get into the market as fast as possible with the smallest thing that you can to start getting, you know, some reps, right? Start getting some actual feedback from the people that you want to serve and then iterating as fast as possible Uh, and that kind of, lines up with that, you know, financial kind of fundraising point, you know, uh, all number one, number two, I would say is don't outsource your, your core competency, right? So if you really do want to serve, uh, in a particular way and build up a particular product be as hands-on especially early, early on as possible before outsourcing you know so outsourcing can come later or building a team and delegating you know and pat was uh, mentioning that a bit in his story as well and that's really critical at a certain like scale point later to enable more growth right and to continually think about you know, how you work on the business and expand that value but from like day one especially if it's just you or if you do have a co-founder uh, I try to promote like be as hands-on so that like you actually feel it and you know what's required to make this thing good because then like when you know what good looks and feels like in the product or the service that you're building, then you can teach the next person that you want to hand that off to what that looks like, right? right? So I would say that those are kind of my two kind of guidelines uh, yeah. from from the get-go.
1: That's excellent. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, taking that first step, getting into the market to. To get the feel uh, is is very important, but I also feel what happens, what ends up happening is, as people go down that path, they uh, they ad- start adopting this mindset that, you know, only I can do this uh, as good as as it can be, and so um, even though they may start doing it, it's for very hard for them to let go of the control. So Pat, when you when you mat- met Matt... like. How was that experience for you? Was it hard for you to let go and and sort of say, OK, you know, I built this now. Uh, I'm, I'm here to share the responsibility. How was that experience?
2: Yeah, it's a very difficult thing, especially as a, a solo creator who kind of wore all the hats at first. And you only you you feel like nobody else can do it as good as you can. And you you also feel like you, you worry about handing it off because it has to be done a certain way. Um, but what I found is that the opposite is actually true. There's actually people out there uh, like Matt and like a lot of our other team members who do the things that uh, are required in the business that I don't want to do or not and not good at um, but they do that they do it faster and better. <laughs> and so what happens is the the time equation comes into play. I'm getting more time back to put into things that i have to do in my business that only I can do. Because the truth is, a lot of us, you know, we we do a lot of things in the business on our own, uh, especially while bootstrapping. But we could probably hand off things a lot sooner than we think, because you get time back to put into other things that can help grow the business that you can do. And now you are essentially cloning yourself in a way or having other people do a lot of that work for you. Now, it's not easy. And I would recommend definitely starting small. Um, When Matt came into play, in the uh, mid 2010s, 2014, 2015, or or around that time, um, I had some experience handing some stuff off already. And the first one that was a big one for me was the podcast, actually, Uh, as a podcaster and my name on the podcast and my style, my voice, my editing, it was all me. It was very difficult for me to let go of that. But I said, you know what? I'm just gonna test this out. And that's the way that you go about it. You test it out. You don't have to commit to anything forever when you hand off something. But what I did was I ended up, sort of recording how I did what I did and then handing that off to somebody. And then what happens is now they follow that process and it's gonna be like you did it because you showed them how to do it. But it's important to also say, how would you also make this better or more efficient? Because that's what they can fully think about while you're thinking about 100 other things. And what you find happens is they, they come with their own special sauce to put on top of it to make it even better, better than you could ever yourself. And so, by testing it, you're able to see that. And and trust me, when you get a little taste of what it's like to outsource something and have somebody else do the work for you, and then maybe you wake up the next day and it's done. I mean, you start looking for everything to be able to. Yeah. It yeah. Off, that's that's what I did, and then you know ended up uh, acquiring Matt's team, and uh, now there's ten people working with us full time, and it's just it's just a beautiful machine. Um, so that I can now focus on the interviews and the conversations and the relationship building and um you know the 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 podcasting which is where i want to be i w- i still want to be a creator you'll see you'll see a lot of people who start off as a creator who then turn it into a business who never get to create again right and mm. they're feeling not great because maybe they were a designer they love designing and now they have this giant design agency and they're just people managing the whole time right and they're not even designing anymore Whereas, you know, Matt really uh, comes in with his superpower as initially he was more of the integrator, right? I'm the visionary. He's the integrator, able to make things happen. But now Matt is also a visionary, so he's able to bring things to the table and add his own flavor too in that way, which is very special. Not a lot of people are like that, but they do exist. and, And I think having an online business manager or an integrator to start to help put a lot of those things into place is really important
1: yeah that's a great point um so just to uh, uh, summarize what i uh the insights i got was uh you know handing over the responsibilities easier if you adopt some sort of system as you said like you recorded the instructions and handed it over and then mm-hmm. to further take advantage of the of the people you're working with give them the freedom to add their own creativity because you know ideas just build upon ideas, and if you if you give that freedom, it actually gets better right right
2: as long as the end result is is the same or better than than great because very common is to begin to start to micromanage and you actually yeah, spend yeah. more time managing the people than you would have gotten if you didn't have them at all right and yeah. and Matt knows a lot about. Yeah. Uh, hiring and, and outsourcing as well. Yeah.
1: So this question I'll I'll throw uh, to both of you and uh, you know take uh, whoever wants to answer but a creator economy is a new buzzword that uh, that a lot of people are talking about obviously it's not a new thing that uh, that is happening in the economy but we are talking a, a lot about creator economy so can you uh, help us understand what this creator economy is and a lot of people the second part of the question is why do so many people underestimate, like most, you know, and and I went through the same thing, by the way, I didn't know that the knowledge I have is of any use to anybody. I'm like, you know, (laughs) oh, this is common knowledge, you know, you know, everybody knows this, like, why do I even need to talk about it? So Mm -hmm. that mental block, uh, I find that uh, to be present in many, many other uh, people who have a lot of value to give. So so two parts of the question, uh, you know, what is this creator economy and how can people, Participate in just recognizing their knowledge is valuable.
2: Now, why don't you yeah. take this one first?
1: Yeah, I'll
0: go first. Uh, in terms of like the markets, there's just been a consolidation, and I think it's very useful in terms of the language and vocabulary we use. We want to use shared language right with everyone as much as possible, with podcaster and blogger. You know, from its heyday, right. And then like social media person, like, like the creator economy and, and creator itself, just the word creator is now kind of the all in idea, right? It, it represents all of these different people, whether you have a Substack newsletter or a, you're a YouTuber and you have a YouTube channel and that's your predominant thing. You know, creator is now kind of this umbrella idea and it's really useful and nice to be able to like have a defining singular term to be able to communicate because increasingly it matters less. Like if you're a YouTuber versus a substack newsletter writer or a podcaster, you're still probably oriented around the same set of principles and you're still trying to probably create value and and help in a very similar way, right? You're using content either in one dimension or several, you know, different media types to build an audience, to earn that trust and that following, to then ultimately lead them into some sort of an experience where you can maybe help them more, like teach them more or participate with them more in their own journey. And that for us is like where community comes in really big and maybe we'll come back to that topic, but that's kind of the all-in idea around like where where creator fits. Uh, And to me, and I'd love, you know, pathway in, like there's, there's a big element of like education and, and help, you know, that's associated with like the idea of, of being a creator versus maybe say like, you know, the word influencer is still related and, and is maybe like a Venn diagram kind of like overlaps a little bit. But w- when I think about influencers, those are people that might be a little more like on the famous or celebrity side, you know, and they do a little more in the entertainment space. It's all very valuable. But on the creator side, you know, we're really trying to teach knowledge and 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 communicate, you know, principles and methodologies to help someone accomplish something.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, to me, a, a creator is a person who steps forward to to share something, uh, with the idea that it will, in somehow or some way, shape or form, not just help people and and bring a lot of people in and bring followers, but you know, ideally, generate some revenue as well for them in some way, shape, or form. So. Um, there's many different ways to, to do that and be a creator. And I think altogether, those things create the creator economy where there's uh, value being exchanged, uh, but money being exchanged between platforms and their creators, but as well as creators and specific products and creators and their customers or students or, or, or what have you. So all those things together, th- there is a lot of money flowing in the space now. And there's a lot more than ever companies from the outside going, wow, look at that authority or, or influencer or person who has that YouTube channel we want to pay them money because they have earned the trust with that audience that they've built and, um, that is valuable. So then there's money being exchanged. Now, as far as like understanding whether or not you have information or, 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 uh, any value to share, um, you know, I think a big part of that is feeling like you have to be an expert in something in order mm. to to provide value, and that's not true to me. the The word expert just means you know a little bit more than somebody else about something, and and that can still be a value. In fact, it can be more valuable just being a couple steps ahead of a person because you have a more relatable um, experience that is not too too far away from you to be able to share and bring people along with the ride, um, versus. Uh, you know, the university professor who's been in that space for 50 years, who's trying to teach the same thing. They're, they're a little far removed from it. And that was such a long time ago for them versus a person who's just, for example, me having passed a architecture exam who can now show others how to do it. Like mm-hmm. I just did. It's yeah. more relatable. And this is how I was able to compete with companies out there that were teaching the same kind of material that I was, because they were companies without a face, without a personality. Their material was Yes, more expensive, but I was more relatable because I was just like my audience not too, for, yeah. too long ago. So yeah. that's where you can compete. You can compete on experience. You can compete on your story. But in addition to that, your information that you have is valuable to somebody, and you just have to go and attract those people. We often suffer from this thing that Chip and Dan Heath call in their book, I think it was called um, Made to Stick, uh, this idea of the curse of knowledge. When you know something it's hard to remember what it's like not to know that thing. Mm. Therefore, you don't know how valuable that is. And I even have to be reminded of, of sometimes too, because when we teach something simple like how to, uh, you know, how to build a website, right? Like we're we've created websites a long time ago. We've we're far from that beginning stage. But when we bring people into the audience who are attracted to the idea of building a business and generating passive income and such, one of their first steps is, you know, maybe you need to create a website. And so it's important for us to get into their heads and to talk to them to be able to go back to their level so, to, so that we can best serve them instead of feeling like, oh, well, we've done that already. We're, we're far beyond that. And now we're no longer relatable and they might move on to somebody else. So yeah, yeah. your information is valuable. How do you know? Share every question that comes across with your answer. That's a great way to build authority and to build, build brand awareness. You know, Even on short form video platforms like TikTok and YouTube and Instagram sh- uh, Reels, um, you, you just answer people's questions that are coming in. They might be things that you've known for years, but these people, they're discovering this for the first time and that, that is valuable.
1: You are listening to Bootstrapping Your Dreams show with Manu Jagarwal. Businesses face numerous challenges like finding the right product market fit, determining the market size, implementing a winning go-to-market strategy, crafting customer-centric USP, competitive analysis, looking for funding, building up cash flow and profitability. We have made a lot of free resources available to the entrepreneurial community, including this podcast. podcast. We invite you to check out our websites and follow us on social channels. The links are in the show notes. We hope you find the resources useful and utilize them to grow grow your business. We also have some programs for entrepreneurs. If you find our content useful, then you will definitely find the programs outstanding. So do check them out. Uh, I, I recall, and I, you know, this was so long ago, I may not be even uh, uh, right on this, but I remember Pat, I came across a blog that you made about food trucks. Yeah. I, I don't remember. So okay. that was an eye-opening thing for me. Like, you know, I enjoy food and I go like, enjoy going to food truck, but I never thought that was of uh, an uh, uh, information that was of interest to me but i really found it very interesting um and that's when i realized oh you know any topic can be can be uh, of of value to people who are looking for that and mm-hmm. there are so many interests millions of interests people have um so that was great and now uh, you know being a creator myself one other thing what i found is um consistency is the key as well like a lot of people have talent a lot of people recognize that they have value but then they start they they, they do it for two or three weeks and they say oh you know nobody showed up nobody cares so I'm just mm-hmm. gonna stop in fact I was I was reading that um, you know about 90 percent of the podcast they stop at episode three and the rest of those 90 percent they stop at episode uh, 20 and even if you just carry across episode 21, You'll be pretty much in the top 1% of the podcast in the world. So uh, wh- what? how do you address, like, what are your opinions about this case of consistency?
2: Mm. Matt, you'll take first, maybe?
1: Yeah,
0: happy to. Uh, I, I think it's sort of table stakes, right? Especially now in 2022 and we're almost to 2023, you know, the landscape of the internet is that much larger, like exponentially larger in terms of people online that are helpful and doing good work but it's a numbers game at some point, right? So like consistency is a quality that will keep you relevant, will keep you sharp. It will continue to uh, hopefully like propagate success, right? In terms of audience building and meeting new people and eventually having them economically like support your small business in, in the way that's relevant to your business model. So it's table stakes, it's a necessity. Uh, and I think that if that ever is like lost you know, in terms of like kind of falling out of favor or, or yeah uh, that it, it can breed problems. So be consistent.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's important to keep showing up. That's for sure. How can you build fans if your fans can't rely on you continually coming back? Now that doesn't mean you have to create a video every single day or create a piece of content every single day, but as, so long as you keep going. And you know, if you say weekly to start out with, which is often recommended, great. I like weekly cause you're getting in good reps, but you have time to, to, to practice and you have time in between to take a breathe, a, a breather. And if you happen to miss a week, that's fine too. I think just like working out, if you miss one of the days you're supposed to work out, that's fine. Don't make a big deal about it. Just go back the next time you're supposed to and keep going. It's when you drop off the face of the earth and then nobody can find you for a while is, is when it becomes a problem. And all that effort put up front is now wasted because the truth is twofold. Number one, it's going to take time to see results. And that's the hard thing with now and today, especially the younger generation who is so used to just getting things quickly. I mean, we could have food delivered in 20 minutes now or even have a, uh, you know batteries delivered to your home when you need it just like almost instantly now, which is just ridiculous. But we still have to be macro patient with results when it comes to the work that you're doing. It's like, I think Gary V called it micro hustle, you know, hustle on the small things that you know, you know you need to do, but you gotta be macro patient with, mm. with the results coming in. And then the other part of this is changing your expectation of what success is with this thing, right? So yes, you have to give something enough time to give it a chance, but at the same time, I think too many people expect four podcast episodes to go out and all of a sudden you're number one in in Apple and if you're not, it's a failure. Mm -hmm. Change that expectation. Expect that you're going to need to stick with it for a certain number of months and then have a number to look forward to that if you at six months or after a year are experiencing this kind of growth in business or, you know, first of all, you got to know what your measurement stick is for why you're doing this. Right. Um, so if you can reach that goal, great, keep going with it. If not, you can now consciously more easily say, you know what, I'm going to try something else for now. I think it's when we just throw spaghetti on the wall and just see what sticks without any plan or without any men- measurement is when it really starts to become uh, a- an issue. And we start to have, that squirrel syndrome where it's like this the new new thing that people are talking about. Let's try that for two days. Oh, that didn't work. Let's try this new thing, hoping that something's going to explode and go viral, because that's what we see in the news and that's what gets presented to us, all these viral things. But what you don't see are the hardworking people who are just consistent and are creating and are creating value over and over again. Eventually, always, especially if there's optimization in mind, those people will rise to the top and will succeed. It just takes some time.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely um one one uh relevant sort of analogy that comes to mind is pokemon go became overnight success and i think um the guy who created it he said you know it took us 20 years to get to the overnight success yep. um so uh, now uh you know you've been in this uh, for a long time and you have seen so many changes come through And now, you know, we had medium, like blogs were very popular uh, in 2008, then social media sort of started taking over, Um, then it became like microblogging, Twitter became so popular. Mm -hmm. And now we are talking about uh, podcast, uh, you know, we are talking about um, platforms like uh, audio platforms, like, uh, um, you know, LinkedIn has released one, um, I forget the other one, Uh, but uh, now there's talk about metaverse. So the medium of creating that content is continuously changing. Do you see, uh, and, uh, you know, from your vantage point, what kind of transition have you seen, uh, and where do you see the industries going eventually? Like, uh, are we going to be all like avatars in the metaverse talking to each other? Like, what do you think?
2: Well, I mean, if you take a look at meta stock, you might be able to decipher the direction that it's going, but, uh, anyway, um, Maybe, maybe not. And, and honestly, the technology, it doesn't really matter. There are people there and that's what matters. And if you can be there to solve their problems in whatever platform it is, then you will succeed. I think the technology, we've seen it change and it will continue to change. But what hasn't changed is that people always need help for things. People want to feel like they belong to something they want to connect. This is why right now in our business, we're really focused on community. That's the, sort of the next step of, and the next part of the evolution here is, it was very much, you know, blogs and one-sided conversations. Then it was like these micro-conversations that were happening on these public platforms. And then Facebook groups came into play. And that was kind of nice because they were, they were semi-private spaces for people to connect and be a little bit more open with each other. And then courses for education are great. Now, we're focusing now and in into the future something called community-powered courses. This is where you're not just getting the information that you need because information is freely available almost everywhere now, right? Um, yes, to have it compact in a course with steps and guides like, cool that's even better and there's value there but the the real value now comes from the connection to other people who are going through that journey with you the connection to the creator who created that course to be able to help you answer questions along the way. So we're really investing into community-powered courses where, yes, you can get access to our courses, but with our all-access pass, for example, you'll be able to now have access to the community and the people behind it and to be able to work through that information together, to be able to create groups and have accountability and to have inspiration from others who just did that lesson you're about to do to see how awesome it is so you can be compelled to move forward. Because completion rates for courses, although we have uh, much higher than average in the industry, it's still very low. But when you start to bring a community in and we tested this through uh, more intense cohort based courses uh, recently in our boot camps like the success rate just skyrockets. So our goal is to help people get to within reach of their dreams. And to be able to do that, we want to bring those people together, not just have individual dreams, but people who have the same dreams come together to support each other. And that's where we see things going. And whether that eventually involves us getting into oculuses so we can see each other's avatars, I'm not sure. I don't think that matters. I think what matters is with the... Um, the the platforms we have available now like circle to bring a private community together that and this is the key word that feels safe for people to open up, to, to, co- to combine ideas, to collaborate and to um converge is is really key. So um that's where we see things headed. And you know, I'm not I don't have a crystal ball, but I think that no matter what, people are gonna be a part of it. Mm-hmm. I think that's obvious. And so yeah. just always keep that in mind no matter what the tech is around that.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Matt, do you wanna add anything
1: to that?
0: Yeah. If I could just punctuate it, really, I think Pat's spot on, right? Um, I I would even maybe add that the promise and essence of community has maybe always been there, right? Like like we have gone online even in the early aughts with one-way blogs when Seth Godin first started his blog, right? As an example, because like we wanted to connect with Seth and we wanted to read his stuff and maybe I left a comment, right? You know, super old school like blogger days, right? So it was like it was the idea of community. Uh, I actually believe was always there, and then the technologies kept getting better in the way that I was describing, from like one permutation of the internet to the next, and we kept getting closer and closer together towards this ideal, you know, this aspiration of community online, right? And now today, as we sit here, you know, we're as close as we've ever been because of platforms like Circle, and that's what we're increasingly building our business on. Uh, and we're pivoting very strategically and intentionally more more so into that direction when we first launched spipro.com which is our flagship community uh in the summer of 2020 we were working on it actually even before the pandemic hit you know this was our first kind of main new product you know we think of community as a product right the product of the company uh and we launched that and, and we exceeded our our goals we had like a 500 member cap as our goal you know, when we first launched and we've been growing since since then so like we always want to get closer to this essence of bringing people together, having them meet each other. And then education, as Pat was describing by way of like the new all access pass that's launching, just continually enriches that ecosystem and allows us to really help people on that pathway from, you know, potentially like early stage entrepreneur all the way to, if, if this is in fact their goal to being like full-time independent, financially independent on their own, working on their own terms with their own small business.
1: Amazing. Yeah, I mean, community is so important. Like, you know, just as a, as a species, we are so uh, so much of a social species uh, that we need uh, that connection and support. Uh, and that's one thing, you know, I would like you to dig a little bit deeper into this. Like a lot of uh, influencers or creators, I, I feel like... Um, you know, not uh, not that they don't know how to build the community, but sometimes they are too much focused on what they know, their language, their uh, you know the the technical language they use, and they are not able to like really tune into what the community wants. Uh, so, uh, what is your secret of actually building such a large community? Because I think that was a huge, um, how can I say, like a uh, uh, impetus for for your growth earlier on, because uh, you actually created a humongous community around you. Uh, so how how can uh, you share that pixie dust of building that community? Uh, you know, uh, for, for creators who who are in the game but they are not able to build that community yet.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not that difficult. I think again, it just comes down to people and 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 creating and facilitating a space and conversation for those people to relate to and to come together with. You know, for me, one of the biggest things that I think I did was I really started to feature a lot of success stories from people in the community. And, 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 and that to me, and I talk about this in my book, Superfans, works better than anything because people on the outside of the community start to see that it's not just me talking about me the whole time. It's, it's not even me talking about, uh, about others. It's inviting them into the space to, to, to make them the hero of the story. This is very much um, Donald Miller and his book, Telling a Story Brand. This is exactly what they teach. You make your audience the hero of the story. You're not the hero. You're the guide and the most powerful people in movies are not necessarily the hero that we all follow, but the guides that help them, right? Obi-Wan, Kenobi and Yoda uh, or Gandalf, right? These are the people who um, are very powerful and who everybody wants to go to because they've helped these people go from nothing to something. And, 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 And when you share that transformational story and people see themselves in that story, they now want to also go to the same guides who help them right? It paints a picture of their future without just the creator or person selling the thing saying it, which it's just so much more powerful that way. So that was really key for me in the growth. It, it was a lot of that. It was also being a lot of very just under under understanding the language that the audience would respond to, right? And very quickly, I started to realize why I stood out amongst the sea of other people in the space that I was in. I mean, online business was uh, very saturated, you know, early on, but I still came in late. But I think that was an advantage because I could see here is what people didn't like about the space. And here's what people wish they had uh, available to them. So I stepped up and and created that. And what I mean by that specifically was I created a place where it was always just authentic and nothing was hidden. Um, I created a space where I wasn't doing this for the Lamborghinis and the mansions and all these other things that you see in all these other people selling courses and and, and products and such, you know, Lamborghinis and garages and all that kind of stuff. This was specifically, why are you doing this, Pat? Because I just want to spend more time with my family, because I want to walk with my kids every day to school and be able to pick them up. And that kind of messaging and story resonates with a certain kind of person who wants to follow this kind of stuff. And, you know, back in the day, online business was for the sort of nerds and the people who just didn't really even have families and such. But then as the online space started to get more crowded, people started to, 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 to want to do something similar, but weren't really attracted to those kinds of people anymore and didn't want Lamborghinis, but they wanted, just like me, to spend more time with family and to just have a secure financial future and to have more time to play. And that's awesome. exactly the kind of stories that we tell, uh, not just my own, but the stories of my audience as well. Yeah,
1: and i i'll just uh, uh you know i just want to make a comment here that, and i think the, a lot of ex, uh, you know people i talk to who have uh, achieved success um, they have this optimism as pat you just said that the the space was crowded but you rather than complaining about it you said you know it was good for me it it, it give you da- it gives you the data and i find that uh, that optimism is common between a lot of people who actually make it so, so I just wanted to point that out. Matt, do you want to add anything to this?
0: Uh, just another probably punctuation, right? I have two small kids, uh, a baby eight months and, and a toddler who is increasingly rambunctious. And like Pat, like I'm motivated to spend more time with them and be dad and, and be a great husband and participate in my like local communities here, right? So, you know, we, I think we're all as entrepreneurs uh, galvanized to create something larger than ourselves, but not in, a, um at least for, you know, I guess the spirit of SPI and, and how we do things, not for vanity based reasons, right? We want to create something larger than ourselves for the people we're serving uh, for our team and be able to like have really awesome jobs as like being a job creator and being able to then, you know, train and advance the people that, you know, we have the pleasure to, to work with, you know, on our team. So, so those are our motivating forces. And I think that when you can really kind of channel that into your business model and the products that you make, uh, I think that's a, that is a, not only winning recipe for success now, but I think that that is timeless. I think will continue mm-hmm. to work.
2: Matt, are we hearing your kids in the background? Yes, I'm sorry. That's I had to come timing. off of mute. you.
0: Couldn't time that <laughs> I know any better. I know. Was so yeah, good. the toddler just <laughs> got home. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's no, all,
1: all good. I think I think we are all used to that. Uh, you know, those background noises. It's relatable. Noises. Yeah, yeah. Um, one last question is like uh, you know, and uh, this will for both of you. What is one important mistake or lesson you have learned through this journey?
0: Oh, yeah. I'll go first. Okay. Uh, indecisiveness. Like there's there's so much that, you know, when you're a solopreneur or even when you maybe get to a, a point where you have a co-founder or you have a small team, like being indecisive is, is one of like uh, the trickiest things uh, to contend with because the internet especially moves so fast. There's new opportunities. So well, when, when you know something is right, and sometimes that means making hard decisions also, like mm-hmm. make the
2: decision for me it would be there is no room for perfectionism um it kind of goes along with what, what matt said because it will keep you indecisive it'll keep you from publishing and i think there's so much more value in publishing and putting something out there that's not perfect and learning from that than waiting until something is perfect and then potentially seeing that that's not actually what the audience wanted and so uh i've had to really get over that because i grew up being a perfectionist and you cannot succeed as, as an entrepreneur and, and be a perfectionist. I mean, um, there is something to be said for one to make things great and having good quality stuff. But if you're not publishing anything because you're too worried about that, then you're helping nobody.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely! Great. Uh, well, thank you so much for being with us and, you know, sharing your journey, sharing your wisdom. Now, before I let you go, um, can you tell us how people can reach out to you, how they can join your programs? Um, yeah.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. First of all, thank you uh, so much. I'll I'll say a couple of resources and Matt, maybe you want to uh, add a, another punctuation on top of that. Um First of all, smartpassiveincome.com is our website, but we're really, really wanting to focus on the growth of our community right now and to serve entrepreneurs in that way. So if you go to smartpassiveincome.com slash community, you'll see a couple different offerings of those for the beginners in the audience. There's something for you there as well, as well as we have what we call SPI Pro. That was actually our first community of experienced entrepreneurs. And we do a lot more heavy lifting and and, and, um, programming specifically for existing entrepreneurs there. So smartpassiveincome.com slash community. And then of course our podcast as well, the Smart Passive Income podcast. Matt?
0: Yeah, in addition to that, community is our focal point. Um, If you want to learn more specifically about our pro community, uh, we also have smartpassiveincome.com slash pro, uh, or you can get there also just by going to spipro.com. Um, but don't uh, forget to join our, our email list as well. Uh, Pat has a brand new unstuck newsletter that's been out for a few months and it's just going gangbusters. People love it. So uh, if you go to just any smartpassiveincome.com landing page, including the homepage, you'll see an, uh, an invitation to, to sign up. It's email. It's free. And Pat's newsletter is awesome.
1: Awesome. We'll put those links in the show notes. Thank All you right. so much. Thank you. This has such so a pleasure. Yeah, so much yeah, yeah. fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Big topic of the day. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for tuning in to Bootstrapping Your Dream. Bootstrapping Your Dream. We bring you life-changing insights about starting and growing your business, making your life and family happy. Given the fact that you listened to the whole episode, we know you are an awesome fan. awesome fan. So why not help us spread the message? Please share the podcast with others who can benefit from it. And if you are feeling extra generous, leave a review on iTunes or any other platform where you are listening to the podcast.